Greetings. This is the Everyman Podcast. My name is Dan Doty. Ten years ago exactly, I was undergoing one of the most intensive, dramatic shifts of my life. I was living in New York City. I had been working as a high school teacher in the Bronx. I was part of a long-term relationship, and I was about to be launched on a massive and sustained time period of growth and uh, personal change. It was quite a dramatic time in my life. I was young, I was purpose-driven, I wanted to do good, but I was really not connected with myself. At that point, I had never gone to a therapist, I had never, didn't even know what a men's group was. Although I may have been self-reflective and I may have been um, trying to be aware of myself, I hadn't meditated either. I had uh, I hadn't really not done much uh, real, true self-inquiry. And in a moment of real stress and tension and breakdown, I went to a dinner party that my close friend was hosting. I had met her at a meetup in New York City that was all about the inquiring about the use of psychedelics in therapeutic context. And she and I became fast friends. And I went to her home and the dinner party was lovely. And one gentleman there approached me and in a German accent asked me about myself and asked me if I'd ever been to a men's group before. And I didn't know what he was talking about. That guy was Peter Opperman and he's my guest today. And this is a pretty poignant uh, reflection for me 10 years in. I mean, look at what the hell's going on. Every man is, is what it is and I've dedicated so much of my life to what I have seen as the benefit, the value, the goodness that comes from what happens to men when they go there, when they drop in together, when they learn to plumb their depths and share that with others, and when they build real loving connection and community with each other. Obviously changed my life. And I can trace it all back to that moment in that apartment in Queens uh, when I met Peter, and he invited me into the Brotherhood, which was a David Data-influenced men's group that had been running in New York for at least 10 years before I was there. And I went, and I joined. And uh, you'll hear me talk about the first meeting and a little bit more in this episode, but it's a very personally meaningful uh, conversation to share with everybody, and it seems well-timed. This week... We are announcing our full-fledged opening of our membership platform. This is taking men's groups into the future, powered by technology and the Everyman method. And we have over a couple hundred guys in it already that have been sort of beta rounds, but we are now going to the public with it. So on a very, very affordable scale, 25 bucks a month or less, we do have a pay-what-you-will option. We are bringing men together from all over the world, and we're putting them in their own men's groups and we're giving them the best of what we have. We will give you the best of what we have in terms of our method, our context, our content, our support. We have been driving towards this for a very long time. And this moment is conducive to the topic of this conversation. Peter Opperman is the founder and the head of a type of practice called Future Self. So he leads Future Self meditations and has Future Self coaching. And I'm going to let him describe it far more in detail in this conversation. But what he's doing is, is helping people tap into a part of themselves that already knows 
that has lived through it all. This may sound esoteric or a little odd, but I would highly encourage you to give it a shot. There's a there's an exercise I learned from Phil Nosworthy, who's been on the podcast when I was over in Australia with him. He guided this experience of the 80-year-old man, and he had everybody close their eyes and imagine uh, them sitting across from an 80-year-old man version of themselves. And I won't give away the details there, but it's a powerful, powerful exercise, and, and there's a little relatability to what Peter does here. And the future is a good thing to talk about right now. Honestly, it's where a lot of my brain power and attention is in my in the hours that I'm not with my kids or my wife or actually doing a task, which aren't that many right now. Let's just be honest about it. But I am not able to shake this yearning, this kind of constant feeling of the time right now and what we really have an opportunity for, which I believe is to imagine a new future, the future that is in alignment with human values, that takes care of everybody, that takes care of this planet. And so I feel that it is very purposeful at this time to share Peter's work. And maybe we'll even invite him into every man to help us envision our futures together. Uh, the future of this platform, the future of men, the future of all of us. It's a good time. The time, the time is, is near. The time might always be near to, to really be um, intending and, and focusing and clarifying how we want to live and what we do. But this is, a, to me, a very, very important time to do that. So you can find Peter at futureselfmethod.com. His classes and events on there. Um, it looks like every Thursday right now he's doing a, an online class. You can learn about Peter. You can inquire about how to work with him and get to know your future self some more. So signing off with a lot of gratitude to Peter, to this entire crazy journey we've been on, to all you that are listening, thank you for, for being here. It's very meaningful. And now um, we have a very uh, simple way to get involved. So you can go to everyman.com and... Uh, and follow the links to our membership. Would love to see you there. Uh, we are working to create a very value-laden community where a lot of good stuff is happening. Driving value is our main purpose there. So would love to see you there. Thank you for listening. Take care. Peter, I... Uh I met you in New York City, specifically in Astoria, Queens, at a dinner party or a salon that was put on by a dear friend of mine, Mel Melanie Heggie. And, um, and I don't remember what we were there talking about exactly, but I do remember there was food and I remember there was great people. I remember some of the other people too. Um, and we connected and, and I don't remember the conversation, but yeah, you, you invited me to a meeting of the Brotherhood NYC, uh, which ended up being my, my very first men's group. I, you actually even introduced me to the concept of a men's group. I didn't know what a men's group was before I met you. Um, so deep gratitude and, uh, you know, deep thanks for, for, for doing that for me. And, um, maybe I think you actually know the, the backstory of the brotherhood probably far more than I do. Would you maybe start there? Let's, let's talk about that group a little bit. When did it start? What did it mean to you? Um, yeah, let's start there. 
Absolutely. Let's jump right in. And as we are bromancing so beautifully, I want to <laughs> give this right back to you because at that very dinner in Astoria in Queens, I remember recognizing you and thinking to myself, oh my God, what a beautiful man. And um, obviously you're dashingly handsome, but more so the kind of spirit, the grounded presence that you have um, already at that time. And that is like, I don't know, six, eight years ago, probably. It was like more that. than 10, Peter. Oh yeah, okay. It was more than 10, yeah. Time is flying. Yeah. So I was really, I, I saw something in you really beautiful um, as embodied masculine and a true um, passion for leadership and um, guiding others, being a mentor to others. So I immediately thought, oh my goodness, that would be a great addition to us as the Brotherhood NYC, as well as for you um, as a container to grow and be challenged and supported. So there was kind of an immediate recognition and there was maybe one thing I can say about the Brotherhood in NYC is that one of the aspects how I like to grow that group as one of the founding members is to really find amazing men that I admire, that I want to learn from, that I want to be inspired by, and also support them on their journey to develop their skill sets and their capacity to reach both their own personal potential as well as their communities around them. So that was for me always a guiding principle to mm. invite new members and then have them go through the interview process that we've set up. Um, so back to your question about the Brotherhood. Um, we basically started out very much as a David Data inspired group. The yeah. initial original founders, Mark Thornton and a few others, they were like full on David Data uh, mm -hmm. students. So that's where a lot of the, our foundational practices came mm -hmm. from. But then we gave it our own twist, just like every man, you are developing mm -hmm. your own version of of men's work. So we may call it, it was more a heart-centered version of David Data work, but still with very strict structure, mm -hmm. with very uh, clear uh, purpose-driven, uh, mission-driven, supporting each other, certain practices, routines, challenging each other, um, showing up on time every week, um, giving each other you know, heart-centered feedback. Mm -hmm. um, I could go deeper, but that's kind of where the Brotherhood started. Yeah. Did, had you ever been part of a men's group before the Brotherhood or was that your, I've never asked you this. Were you part 100%. of things before? Yeah, I'm yeah? actually, um, I am still a member of a men's group that is now over, I want to say 25 years in the going. That was, I was still actually going to university at that time back in Berlin and I actually co-founded another group. Uh, it's called Men's Trust back in Berlin. No kidding. And believe it or not, we are still hanging out. We are still meeting every three weeks. Now we are kind of dispersed around the globe. So we do all our meetings through Skype. But uh, we're going strong. That's amazing. Years. 25 years? Yeah. Yes. Gosh, I had no idea. Yeah. How did you... Actually, yeah. How did you... What is your sort of, when did you start to, like, I know you, I actually don't know all that much of your specific story. I, I don't, you were, you were, you're originally from 
Germany. Germany, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah. And were you, um, what I know of you is, is, is as a deep uh, spiritual adept, as, 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 as a man who has, has lived very deeply and pursued, um, you know, a deep path of life. When did that depth begin for you? Were you raised in that? Was that part of your upbringing? Did you find that? I mean, if you start, if you helped found a men's group when you were in college, I'm, I'm guessing that wasn't de rigueur. I'm guessing that wasn't like the normal thing most guys were doing there. How did you get into that? Yeah. So, I mean, there are different paths now, maybe just to make long stories short. Yeah. So my own, let's call it maybe spiritual path, so to speak, actually started with the trauma, you know, with the divorce of my parents when I was 12. Mm. And that really um, shattered my life as I knew it at that time and pulled, ripped my heart apart. And I also found, wow, that's actually a source of healing, of solace inside of me through prayer. I was, I grew up Christian. Mm. So I, um, through that time, uh, in Germany, you go through confirmation and Protestant upbringing. So that introduced me to a lot of like spiritual principles in the Christian context. And mm -hmm. that really resonated for me. That was something mm -hmm. that was not just a concept, not something theological, um, abstract, but something that I felt when I did the communion, when I drank the wine, Mm -hmm. um, I felt something like connected to something bigger that was beautiful and powerful and something that I could more and more trust in and find healing, find a place of peace in my heart that was ripped apart and the guilt of having abandoned my mother. I stayed with my dad, even though my mother wanted me to stay with her. And mm. I went through this crisis and I can't do that. I, I have to follow my conscience. And so I, loaded a lot of guilt on me to abandon my mother and to one point even felt that she might take her own life because of mm. the, the the hardship that she went through uh, losing her marriage and the, you know I was the youngest of four children still living with you know supposed to stay with her so I took a lot of upon myself wow to feel responsible for my mother in that time of crisis and I felt, wow, there's this inner world um, that is invisible to the yeah. uh, physical eyes that is actually, that feels real and that is a place of peace. So from there I built, and then maybe my first leadership group experience was in that local church I went to um, at a small town outside of Hamburg where I start to lead other young people. Cool. And kind of passing on, being a mentor to them. We went hiking, we went tent, bicycle. We didn't much church stuff. We were just having fun together, mm -hmm. bonding. And so I think I always had a knack with guiding people, being a mentor, a guide. Mm -hmm. And then later on, that turned into you know becoming a meditation teacher and coach, what I do right now. When you talked about that moment of uh, communion or drinking the wine and that you felt something. Um, I, I can really resonate with that myself. Uh, but I just saw an image of, of you, I don't know, the 13 or 1400s as like, like in a full, in the full priest pastor, like, like I, something clicked for me, like in essence, a feeling of your essence, which, which is, yeah, you do have this essence that of a, 
of a guide or a, or a, or a, you know, in, in that context, in the Christian context would be a, a pastor or a preacher or, or priest, whatever that word would be right. But I just saw you like flowing in the robes mm. and the, and the, the, I don't know, the thing around the neck. And it just, it made a lot of sense. So it's, it's funny. Actually, my last name, Oppermann in German is actually, that's the, the person who collects the money at church. So who knows? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Something I'm still struggling with. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing that stood out there, and I think this is really important. I'm, I'm glad that you spoke to it and you said it really eloquently. You said the, the inner experience that other people on the outside might not see the, the part of us that's unseen mm -hmm. and having a, uh, finding a true connection with that part of yourself. And you know, the every man world, um, as this has all started, I've I kind of identified up front three areas of life that that men pretty often, if not almost always, uh, have impasses to to being fully fluent with. And what one would be emotionality and what we feel. One would be spirit and and our true connection. And in our culture, it's it's not it's not generally a broad thing for it to go around and, and talk about or be fluent with or share. And then the third one would be sexuality and there's more, but I feel like those three big things are pretty bound up for, for men. Um, and so I'm glad I love the language you use there just about this inner experience and in, in this inner um, landscape. I remember, forget the exact words you said, but I just want to call attention to that and just name it. Right. Because I think even on this podcast, especially when we started this, I was, I was honestly scared to bring up anything in the spiritual realm because I wanted this to be approachable and accessible and, and I'm loosening that up. You know, this isn't going to turn into just a spirit podcast. That's not what this is all about. We, we have our, our focus and our core, but um, yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up because it is, it is so wildly important. It's so wildly important in my life. And I'm, I'm honestly even personally just coming to a place um, learning to and be very open and upfront with my own spiritual path, which is truly dominating in my life. It's, it's, it's the, it's a core of who I am. Um, so yeah. Have you, how does that land for you? Are you, are you pretty, cause, and I also know, you know, there's spiritual communities that we can live on where it's, where it is what we talk about. It's, it's the, it's the normal way which we interact, but I'm also always thinking about that. Um, you know, my uncle's in North Dakota or, you know, just normal broad culture stuff. What is that? Are you, do you ever find yourself shy to talk about your spirituality? Definitely was. I, mean, I, I grew up, my father was full on atheist scientist. Um, so there was no talk of that. There was that part of me was never seen uh, by my father, for instance. So mm. that was a big inner freeing process to actually own my spiritual self, the part of myself that um, is deeply committed to self-exploration um, and ultimately leading to purpose. And that's one of the core tenements of men's work that we are passionate about finding out our mission and purpose and then to take action from that inspired place, right? It's mm -hmm. one of the core elements that makes us strong men and leaders to know our mission and purpose and to lead from that place. And that is something very intangible. Now, what is purpose? Mm -hmm. 
And that is like in different, different philosophies, schools have different answers to them. One of them that I like is the understanding of Dharma, mm-hmm. that we have some kind of a calling, some kind of a uh, vocation that we may bring into this lifetime to fulfill, to discover, like a hero's journey. And it's meant to be perilous. It's meant to be like one of the great adventures of what it means to be a human being, to discover this purpose, Mm -hmm. to go through these dark nights of the soul, to meet our shadow, to meet our mentors, to inch forward and hopefully, um, you know, be victorious to find that golden chalice chalice, and then see that this is actually something that wants to be shared generously and brought back into our community. So that itself is a very intangible, invisible endeavor, so to speak. Mm. Um, And that's where I feel spirituality is a powerful guide or compass for men because we can get answers and guidance from within that are not visible, where we have to trust our intuition, our gut feeling, um, where we also need to undergo, I believe, certain spiritual practices, whatever they are, from fasting to spending time in nature, from um, you know, all these different practices, meditation, obviously, where we can tap in and fine tune our inner sensory and get very clear guidance what our purpose is what is the next step forward Mm -hmm. Um, so i feel um, not talking about this invisible self is uh, a disservice um, in general and particularly in men's work otherwise it's very easy to just as you know borrow um kind of you know conventional um patterns yeah uh, and yeah. Um, what's collectively societally you know seen as what it needs to be a man strong you know be a provider all that's good stuff mm-hmm. but that's not really our unique dharma i believe it, it it's part of it um well that, said yeah yeah be- beautifully said i i think that um yeah just to just to share a little bit personally right now i uh I, I about it, about the time I met you and I, and I joined that that New York men's group. Um, I had a huge shift in my life, and and it was a full a full embrace of of a of a spiritual path. And and I started um, practicing meditation um, under a teacher named Reggie Ray, and his his school Dharma Ocean was um, recently uh, kind of done away with this last year. But yesterday, I had my first uh, one-on-one call with him, and, and he's taking me on as a as a direct student. And uh, it's one of the most important things that's ever happened in my life. It's it's yesterday was one of the biggest days I've had in a really long time. And um, and I got done with that yesterday, and I I kind of felt like this thing that's as so meaningful to me. There's not that many people in my life. Um, that would maybe get how, how big and deep and meaningful that is. Um, and I, and I re- just recognize that there's a gap in, in how much I talk about it. There's a gap. And so, yeah, yeah. Thank you for, for, for bringing this out right now. It's, it's, it's something without being conscious of it. It's something I've wanted to bring up on the podcast directly. Mm-hmm. 
So it, and here's, so here's my sense and you, you tell me if I'm getting this right or not, but my sense is you have plugged into your Dharma or your purpose pretty fully. Um, and I've been, you know, watching you and your, your current endeavor. And again, I might be making some assumptions here, but, but I do want to hear about, about your own Dharma, your own sense of purpose. Has it changed along the way? Um, again, my assumption is, is you're fully in it right now. And I'd love to hear you talk about that. Yeah. Again, deep subject. Um, fast forward. I feel now being in my turning 55 in May, uh, I feel How can I, you be 55? You look like you're, <laughs> you look younger than me. That's you're one of those weird non-agers. All right, keep going. Um, all the good spinach that I'm eating, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now I can say that I found my groove and I found my passion, purpose, mission, and I make a living by doing so. Mm -hmm. I consider myself very fortunate and very grateful every day because it hasn't been always been that, that way. It's been a gradual mm -hmm. um, journey. And I remember, and you may notice, I started out as an engineer, a mechanical engineer in Germany. You know, think about it's like full on buried in the matrix. And um, part of the conditioning that I received by being the son of my father, who was very much invested in that worldview. So I had in, incorporated that worldview and then had to kind of free myself from that to, to become myself. And I remember one of the deepest agonies I ever remember, you know, besides that um, divorce of my parents when I was 12 was in my late mid twenties when I was stuck in engineering and I knew I have a big mission to fulfill on this planet. And it's, fucking not what I'm doing right now. Yeah. And also not knowing what that mission or purpose is. Yeah. So that existential crisis, that urge that there's something out there and I'm not doing it and I don't know what that is, uh, threw me into depression. I was going through therapy and I was just searching everywhere. I'd also put that kind of fire under my ass to really go on that journey. Mm -hmm. And I searched, trust me, I searched everywhere and ultimately then for me discovering buddhism and mindfulness meditation was a big first door opening said ah this feels true empirically this actually works for me it's not just a cool philosophy mm -hmm. i see tangible results in my in my life so i started to trust then i started to leave engineering behind and said, okay, I'm going to put this now, this meditation thing into the center of my life. I'm going to somehow build a lifestyle around it and find a way to monetize being mindful. Mm -hmm. And that was in the late eighties in Germany, you know, there was mindfulness wasn't known. There weren't yeah. yoga teachers. What's the German word for mindfulness? Achtsamkeit. Achtsam. Achtsam means mindful. Achtsam. Okay. Yeah. So when my, my yoga teacher at the time said, oh, there's an Achtsamkeitslehrer, teacher from Switzerland, Fred van Almen coming, I think you would appreciate that. That for me was like meeting Yoda for me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I met my then girlfriend at the time who was already a teacher in Achtsamkeit, mindfulness. So she took me under her wings, introduced me to all of her teachers, Jack Cornfield, you may know of him, famous mm -hmm. American Buddhist teacher and many others. So that jumpstart 
with my journey. And then I went into carpentry, into woodworking as a way to mindfully build furniture, Japanese inspired mm. furniture at the time. So that was a big leap of faith to leave the security of engineering behind, start my own carpentry business, kind of under the legal radar in Germany. So, and that's how I deepened my personal practice. And I always knew that I wanted to at one time share these gifts that I received and that had such an impact on my life. But again, then comparing myself to all these iconic teachers at oh, who am I to even open my mouth mm. and say something of relevance? So I waited, I waited many years until that urge was like something was ready to pop inside of me. Yeah. And again, it took actually a moment of crisis uh, when I fell off my surfboard in the Hamptons and broke my right shoulder, which then incapacitated me to maintain my carpentry work. And by that, that time, I brought my company from Berlin to New York. And that I remember being carried off in a stretcher on Gibson Beach in the Hamptons and knowing, okay, this is the wake-up call I've been waiting for, mm. avoiding to make. This is now getting real. Peter, now you've got to do that what you came here to do. Mm. Beautiful. And so tell us about it. Tell us about what it looks like. Tell us, tell us about your, your offering. Yeah. So maybe just to continue with that, then I, the offering was really not clear. I thought, oh, I'm going uh, yeah. to be a healer. Now, I knew I had good hands. People mm. enjoyed my massage. I have healing hands. So maybe there's something about kind of uh, healing massages. So I started to mm -hmm. do that. Then I moved to the West Coast, um, which was a conducive environment for these kind of things in Los Angeles, uh, 2013. And then through uh, another teacher that I studied with, Arjuna Ardag, the founder of Awakening Coaching. I have him a call with him at the end of this hour. I'm doing an interview with him. Get out. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. Say hello to him. I so I, I owe Arjuna Ardak so much. Um, a great guy, real pioneer. And he actually introduced me to this concept of meeting your future self. Mm. Uh, he claims that he actually discovered it by accident. It's a funny story, but I'm not going to go into that right now. Um, so, and then he shared that coaching tool with us. And for me, it had such a profound impact. I tried it on my mom the first time over the phone. She had a profound um, experiencing uh, meeting her future self. And then I started to modify it, make it my own, develop my own language and started to roll it out into larger groups. Mm -hmm. in, in Venice, California, where I was living at the time, um, I was invited to offer regular meditations there. So I through these weekly classes, started to develop my own voice as a guide, as a teacher. And I was just blown away by the uh, experiences that people had, deeply profound, life-changing, verifiable experiences uh, of meeting their future self. And so that over time gave me the confidence that um, I'm onto something here. Mm -hmm. And basically now after, that's about now, six, seven years later, I developed a whole methodology around the concept of future self, which in a nutshell is basically, I developed or discovered a way to help people 
to see themselves in their own full potential mm. as it appears as their future self meeting them not as a guru not as some kind of a larger than life figure but just like you dan and me mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. in a more beautiful more empowered version right and then not to just see it but also to feel it what's that like energetically physically what's it like to breathe like that man mm. that is fully expressed that is fully in his power mm. you know in a healthy way so to help people to connect with that version of themselves and then also how to become that person mm. you know, one thing is to see it and the other part is so how do i actualize it embody it mm. how do i create the kind of practices routines accountabilities kind of a growth container mm. uh, within a group context that i developed called the future self incubator where i bring in three times a year a group of 30 to 40 select people who then go on this 12-week journey together to really understand what is my future self what is he she like how does he move what does he think um, and then also what's in the way, what's our shadow, what's the old limiting beliefs, our conditioning that have told us to not trust ourselves, to make us small, to not value who we are. You know, all the conditioning we all received to honor that also, and then to slowly start to disidentify with that and shift alliances from our small past conditioned self to this more empowered version of ourselves as if you're shifting your weight from one leg to the other but then to marry that with action mm. with inspired action that is coming from like what your future self would do mm -hmm. uh, and then to guide people through like a continuous journey um, through that so in a nutshell that's that's what i do these days i help people to see themselves in their full expression as it appears as their future self and then i help them to become that person that's beautiful and how is it for you how 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 are you how are you finding uh your life doing this man it's uh um it's funny it's um I feel I live a life that is very service oriented. Mm. So I hold a lot of space for others. And yet by doing so, I feel, well, this is what I came here to do. Mm. So it's very selfless and in a way selfish. Mm -hmm. It's both at the same time. Um, it allows me to travel the world. Obviously right now, that's a different story. Now I shifted yeah. a lot of my work online more so do a lot of online events now through this future temple concept. Um, but I love traveling. I love um, work to combine work and travel and might make money by doing so. So over the last year and a half, I've traveled to many countries, been invited to festivals, meet cool people. Um, so I, I love my lifestyle and yeah. I make a good living, help and help people. So I'm happy, man. I'm yeah. makes me that makes me happy to hear, man. I'm really happy. Um, well, I I can't wait to give it a shot. T tell me about the the technology part of it. I, a, a lot of your 
I mean, they're, they're gripping images. The, is it a specific type of headphone thing? What, what is that? Where did you find that? Yeah. So that's funny now, like how maybe my formation as an engineer and kind of my interest in technology and looking at the, the physics part of things now is coming together with the spiritual. Some, some people call me like a, a German engineer called meditation teacher, kind of bringing those two things together. Amazing. That's, that's um, a good combo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm fascinated by technology. So one of them is an audio technology called binaural beats, mm. uh, which is an audio technology that coaxes the brain into a so-called theta brainwave state. A very mm -hmm. fascinating process. Um, maybe too much to go into detail, but that's one of the way uh, called brainwave entrainment through mm. audio signals, through these binaural beats, through visual stimulation, through breathing. So through different entry ports, we can literally very quickly and predictably shift the state of our central nervous system into mm. a state where we are more receptive to connect with our intuition, to connect with the inner world. So I kind of prime people with different means of technology. That's why you see all these, these headsets, these visuals, visual kaleidoscopes that I project, um, breathing techniques that I use to pretty quickly shift people from the more frantic, busy state that we usually are in, distracted to really calm down and then to open those inner portals. And that's why I take them then through various guided visualizations um, and I seem to have a gift in my voice to be able to speak from an embodied place and then have people, by asking open questions, come up with their own answers from within when they meet their future self, their shadow self, and gain access to that, that inner mentorship through their future self. Um, so that's, that's the technology part. I also love working like with online platforms, uh, online you know, ways to scale information, yeah. um, etc. Did you? I'm so curious. When you first did your first uh, future self exercise, did your future self was it doing something like you're doing now? Yeah. Is there? Yeah. Is there a direct line there? Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, ultimately, you know, to make it simple and not sound too cliche, but my future self is just a man who 100 fucking percent follows his heart. Yeah. He's a man of love, basically. Mm -hmm. you know, that's, everything he does is coming from that place. He just is that. Um, so, and he's also very playful and energetic, strong. Um, he's also very masculine, but also super dropped into his heart. Mm-hmm. And I find that really attractive and beautiful. Um, so that was kind of the, the red thread that I always saw in my future self. He's always a teacher guiding. And now the crowds, I, I, when I guide these meditation, I always guide along. So I also get to meet my future self mm -hmm. um, on a regular mm -hmm. basis these days. So he's working with growing crowds. So that's interesting to see. Um, and as I'm doing right now in this podcast, actually, his main instrument is his microphone, is his voice, yeah. how he speaks to others. 
I've actually noticed that in images of you that that there you're there is something about you holding that microphone, even as you are right now. There's there's a unique thing that going on there for sure. Um, one thing to dig a little deeper on is is you said so yeah, you help people get access to this this version of them and and then you help them come up with the map or the path, right? And is there any are there any of those, um, I don't know, tools or, cause that, that's tricky, right? That that's, that's, it's a big part of it, right. To, to, to take the steps along the way, um, to get there. Do you have any, I don't know, do, do you have anything to share there specifically that, that people can chew on or think about that that's helpful on that part of it? hundred percent. And actually that ties back to men's work. You know, what I teach right now in my incubator groups is actually, um, a good derivative of the benefits that I received from men's work, you know, back to the brotherhood where we met each other. Um, and what I mean by that is to have accountability, you know, to have a brother, another person that cares about you and you care about them and you help each other according to your own self defined goals and outcomes. And I think that's a core part of transformation to be somehow engaged in this transformational relationship with a buddy, with a partner. I call them karmic partners uh, instead of just accountability because accountability sounds a little bit transactional Mm -hmm. and a little bit also disciplinary. Um, When we speak about a karmic relationship, so back to your question, what are some of the tools so this idea of accountability uh, is very important. And I um, designate um, each participate in my program uh, works with their accountability or karmic partner. And that's literally something that I'm taking from men's group work um, to have someone that you can refer to, mm-hmm. uh, but more importantly, that you are helping to achieve their goals. Yeah which in the karmic philosophy is that whatever you want for yourself, you first want to help someone else to achieve what they want to do. It's the karmic seed. You're helping someone else and thus you reap the fruits of being helped and seeing your own dreams come true. I don't know if you remember this, but you bought me the book Karmic Management um, and I read in back in New York. And yeah, just to, just to say that out loud too. Yeah. We briefly, uh, with your, with your business in New York for a very short period of time, there was, um, some collaboration happening there. And as part of that, you asked me to read that book, which, which I've held on quite dearly to through the years since. So, so yeah, that, that ethos of giving, um, what you want to receive and, and that, that back and forth is, mm-hmm. um, and who who was the who wrote that? It was the Diamond Cutter guy? Diamond Cutter, exactly. That's Keisha Michael Roach's work. Yep. Yep. And uh, yeah, he does tremendous work around the world with refugees. And he inspired me uh, back in the New York days to um, start my own social enterprise called Karma Builders, helping yes. ex-prisoners on their path from where they were back into society mm. and teaching them these principles of karma and emptiness ultimately mm-hmm. and pairing them up to become karmic bodies helping each other as the source of their own success 
So I'm weaving a lot of these, like what I mm-hmm. tested myself over the years or decades and um, put the best practices into this incubator. So these karmic partnerships or accountability bodies is a big part. Um, another big part is um, a daily practice, a daily morning ritual, as I call it, which is to start your day with intention, mm. uh, which is a guided meditation. Um, so having people to really tap in, remember what's true, what's real for them, and then to take a nugget of inspiration from their meditation, from the invisible, and then turn that into an inspired action, something that they're committing to do that day, to journal about it, to t- send a text message to their karmic body, so they're being seen, they're being witnessed, and then to end the day with an evening ritual, to give okay. yourself credit for all the great stuff that you have done, that you've actually followed through. Um, so those are some of the core tenements. Then there are deeper practices that are part of this program to help people um, to connect with their expanded self, to go what I call take them on this quantum journey so that they, they're starting to rewire their nervous system to be less identified with the, you know, the physical self and feel more comfortable in the non-physical self. Because ultimately, that's where the magic is. That's where linear time starts to crumble away, away, and we can enter these states of timelessness, where mm. past, present, and future are all coexist in the eternal now moment. And if you haven't experienced this, this may sound very abstract and theoretical and woo-woo, but you can literally have a visceral experience yeah. where you feel that that's true for you. You're just as true as you have a nose in the middle of your face. You know, wow, I'm now literally, I can go anywhere in time and space. And I know how, how to guide people into that place. It seems to be one of my gifts. And then once people connect with that quantum state, whatever you may call it, that's where the magic is, where you can then meet your future self, mm. literally as if he's already living and breathing with you as a brother, as a friend, as a mentor. You can build this new relationship and you can also do shadow work. Mm. You know, all the identities that are, that seem true, but that are not real. We can start to heal those. Also in that quantum Mm. state, things can happen very quickly. You can understand, okay, at that time Mm. I needed that lesson to become the man I am now. But from my current vantage point, I can give my younger self support a hug, love, maybe the kind of mentorship that I didn't have when I was younger, when I felt alone and isolated. Beautiful, man. Um, Yeah, I always, I envision, I would love to do a a future world meditation. Like, (laughs) and uh, in this future world, I see, uh, I see an embrace of, let's just call it technology, like what, what you're sharing, a certain type of technology, uh, um, an embrace of that, again, simply because it works, right? I mean, maybe more than that, but maybe first and foremost, practically, because these type of practices and this type of way of being, um, it just really works. Like people wouldn't do that. I don't think people would do this if it didn't, if it didn't actually have real impact, right? Yeah. So my future world meditation involves... Um, Lots of lots of us humans uh, mm. 
dipping in into this type of thing. Hmm. And that's the fascinating time we are in right now as difficult and challenging it is for many of us where there's so much unknown and fear, understandably, and yet it's also this moment of pause, of reflection. Mm -hmm. And what if I can really take this time to specifically design the time after this pause? Yeah. You know, yeah. when I don't have to repeat same old, same old, what am I choosing personally and collectively? Um, and that's a fascinating time right now and question, especially for men to ask, you know, what is the kind of society, future I want to be a part of and co-create with others? I love that. Well, as, as we start to wrap up, one more question, just how, how are you personally faring during, during this, this slowdown, um, during this quarantine time? Are you doing all right? Yeah, I mean, I live in this uh, beautiful little home in the mountains in Topanga mm. at the end of the road. So I'm already pretty isolated the way I live. Mm -hmm. um, I love spending time by myself. Um, I love going on hikes. So all of that continues. Um, and I'm connected um, globally through various online communities. So honestly, mm -hmm. nothing ha much has changed for me personally, knock mm -hmm. on wood. Um, so for me, it's, um, I just see this as a leadership opportunity to be, uh, a solid rock, a guide. Mm -hmm. And, um, in a way, maybe I've been preparing for the last few years, um, to be uh, grounded enough to help others who mm -hmm. are now more, um, feel a bit more disoriented. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for not just this time, but, but everything that you're doing, everything you're bringing, where, where can people, uh, where should we send people to, to find more about you and your work? Thanks for asking that. So currently, um, futuretemple.com mm -hmm. is my main passion project that I'm currently pushing forward. Futuretemple.com, um, is, uh, tells about my work as well as future self method dot com um, those are my two websites and on instagram it's just my name peter opperman with the underscore in the beginning um, and so i have a lot of classes going on that can be appreciated from anywhere in the world so i would love some and i, I love men's work so any good mm -hmm. every man um, is always welcomed and um, it's it's a fascinating time to be a man Certainly is. Well, thank you, Peter. Um, thanks for coming on the show. And yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to figure out a way to get uh, some of your meditations in the everyman world here too. Yeah. Let's do like a, um, a men's only future self meditation or something like the future tribes roaming That's around great. the planet, howling <laughs> to the moon. <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks a lot. Mm, my pleasure. Thank you for listening. Again, you can find Peter at futureselfmethod.com. You can find us, everyman.com. Come to one of our free drop-in groups. Sign up for our membership now. Find us at Instagram. Go to iTunes. Leave us a review if you enjoyed this podcast. Please subscribe. Share this with friends. And let's all look at our futures and our presence and our past together 
and do this crazy thing called life.